Hey, welcome to the Unchurched Podcast, where your hosts, Michael and Sean, discuss issues of church, life, and religion. No subject is off limits, and our honesty and humor drives our discussion. We welcome you to sit in on the conversation and laugh with us as we challenge serious things. So pour your drink, kick your feet up, and let's get started with the show. What is up, brother? Yo, dude, here we go. I'm sitting here sipping on some of the best homemade tea ever. <laughs> sipping some tea. So that's funny. I kind of wanted to just start like talking about this from out of the gate because I think it's kind of interesting to me. Okay. So first off, if like I was born in Florida, I lived in the South most of my life. So I've lived in Arkansas, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida again. Then I moved to Massachusetts. Then I lived in Rhode Island, back to Massachusetts, because they're all, like, super close anyway. And then now I reside in the good old state of Illinois. Old dunk time. Not really, though, but sort of. Hey, dude, you have bonfires in your front yard? That's uh, pole dunk, bro. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's what we did. You know what I'm saying? Oh boy. We don't throw trash away. We burn that shit. Yeah. I'm just kidding. We do have trash service every Monday. But anyway, so growing up in southern states, you know, you go somewhere and you ask for tea, automatically it's sweet tea. Like it's not even a question. <laughs> if you don't want sweet tea and you want unsweet tea, you have to ask for unsweet tea, right? Sure. Now, you cross that good old Mason-Dixon, and you're up in the northern states, and you ask for tea, and you're out somewhere. They just assume it's unsweet, right? So then it's like, oh, well, you know, I wanted sweet tea. And I'm like, they don't make sweet tea. What they do is they bring you sugar to put in your iced tea. Yeah, many places, that's the case. Which, sure. to me, is like, well, that defeats the whole point, because it's cold, so it, the sugar just goes to the bottom. So, either way, it's not even sweet tea, you know? So, I want to tell and share everyone my method of making sweet tea. Just, you know, because why not? I enjoy (laughs) it. I'm sure other people would enjoy it. And you, Michael, you should try this. No, I'm not a tea person, but go for it. I'll listen. God, you're so disappointed right now. Well, you're going to learn anyway. Yeah, okay. So, the next time I'm there and I ask for tea... This is what I want. I'm going to send you to McDonald's. <laughs> True. They do have some good sweet tea. That's what I hear. So here's what you do. Uh, you take a pitcher. Now I have, uh, I think it's a gallon pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. So what I do is I fill that to the level of what I want, which is mostly all the way. And then I boil that, right? So then I take five tea bags once the, the water's boiling. <laughs> and I let it boil for anywhere to four to five minutes. Then I take the tea bags out, obviously. I pour the uh, tea now into the pitcher. And then I put in about two and a half to maybe three cups of sugar. And I stir it in while it's still hot because that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Then I set it in the fridge and let it chill. 
And then I get a glass, I put some ice cubes in it, I get a straw, and boom. Hmm. It's delicious. Oh, it's so freaking good. Uh, how long do you let the tea bag sit in the water? Four to five minutes. That's it. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, because it's quite a bit of tea bags per water. Let's just so keep like, saying tea bags over and over again. Tea bags? Yeah. Tea bags. <laughs> so, yeah, you got to let the tea bags like you know percolate in that hot water yeah you know and get all the get all the juices and the richness out percolate you know? it gets sucked out almost of the of the bag the tea bag gets sucked out yes yep uh-huh all right but you know the directions on the tea bags say like four cups of water two tea bags and then you add that to a pitcher and then you add just fresh water to continue filling up the pitcher yeah. To which I say, no, no, no. <laughs> if you want some good ass tea, you're gonna do it the Sh- Sean Dizzle's way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I ain't messing around with my tea. Yeah, tea bags. And then, yeah, all right, cool. I'm anyway. I'm not a sweet tea. To share that. Yeah, I'm not a sweet tea guy. Uh, but sure, I'm gonna turn you. No, I'm good. Well, what, what I mean, what do you like? Unsweet tea? Or is it just tea in general that you don't like? Yeah, I mean, I, I drink tea when I'm sick. That's about it. Uh, so I'll take a hot toddy. Oh, hell yeah. That's about it. But I drink those when I'm not sick. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of bourbon, lemon, honey. A lot of bit of bourbon. Yeah. And then uh, then you're good to go. It's uh, the great physician's recipe for health and wellness. Right there. Boom. Mm. That's all you need. Forget sweet tea. Make a hot toddy. I say two of those a night. Every night keeps the doctor away. <laughs> we'll keep a lot of things away. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. No, but it's funny. Like, I'm, I mean, come to a southern state and ask for tea. That's all you got to do. It's going to be sweet. Well, I guess, I mean, because you're going to need something to pick you up after you eat, like, uh, biscuits and gravy for breakfast, and you got that cement Mm. sitting on your stomach, you need some sugar to give you life again so you can move around. That fried chicken Mm. and collard greens. Fried chicken and waffles. Now, let me tell you, when you go down there and you order fried chicken, are they using buttermilk? Um, I mean, everywhere does it. Their kind of own mm. way, so you you get some that do and some that don't. See, in my opinion, it ain't fried chicken, not for real, until it's got some buttermilk in it. More butter, more better. Throw it in some buttermilk batter. Yeah, deep fried, money every single time. But here in the north, obviously, of course, there's a money, whole money, money. a whole bunch of beer batter. Everything is beer battered. Everybody thinks that that's so cool, the beer batter, but. You know, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast just today, and uh, I didn't know this, but they live in Michigan somewhere. Really? Um, It was some town I'd never heard of, so I don't know where, but um, they mentioned that they were sipping on some beers, and they're like, that's the one thing we got up north is beer. And dude, I kind of agree. Like, Yeah. There's breweries around here, and it's a thing, but I feel like it's a whole other level. Yeah. Like in the north, you know? It is. In my opinion, uh, Michigan is 
it's got to be number one, if not number one, number two, when it comes down to microbreweries, uh, yeah. beers around town, dude, just people that are just have a passion for their recipe and the way that they do it, you know? And um, it's, it's huge, dude. It's huge here. You can go anywhere and there's going to be a microbrewery or even a big brewery somewhere in Michigan within, you know, a short drive, less than an hour. At least to me, it's less than an hour. But it really doesn't matter yep. if you're if you're on the west side of the state, you have even more options than you do here on the east side of the state. And we've got them popping up left and right on the east side. So. East side? Hell, I'm 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 drinking one right now. What uh, you got? So else? no, actually, this isn't a micro brew. Founders? No, actually, it's uh, it's Abbott Twelve, hmm. and it's uh, it's something that Abbott has made in Grand Rapids, I believe. Uh, but it's a, it's one of those, uh, breweries that was that started by the monks. So the monks needed some way to get some carbs and the carbs kept spoiling and and what they did was they decided to uh to s- set it up throw some yeast in there and throw some other stuff in there and then make beer and that's how they got their carbs at least that's hmm. part of how i've heard the story something like that i could be completely off it could have started from from an accident you know you had some had some grain somewhere and then they Threw out some yeast from something, and then it fermented, and stuff happened. I don't know. Either way, it's well, the a, first story is way more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Either way, it's uh, it got started by monks. So these are Christian monks who uh, it's holy beer. It's it's holy. Yeah, it's it's holy beer. It's also ten percent, by the way. So do you? And. Uh, and since it's Even a their spirits lifted, though, since it's a growler, it has to be drank within you know twenty four to forty eight hours. Otherwise, it just goes bad, you know. So, oh darn, that's my sure excuse. That's tough for you. We've got plenty of time <laughs> left in this podcast. Let's have a good time. Let's do it. So, dude, my uh, my drink of choice lately. The wife's been on me about drinking soda, so good. You know, you, you always have LaCroix. I bet you got LaCroix up in your fridge right now. You better believe I do. Dude, they have like, it's new to me because I'm not a huge LaCroix person, which you probably remember. Yep. But uh, I'm I'm starting to wean myself onto LaCroix. And I found this, uh, again, it's new to me, but they probably had it for a long, for a long time. <laughs> but um, we have a long time. It's like a strawberry kiwi one. Yeah. Oh, so freaking like, I mean, if I just sip on it by itself, it's kind of a little tough for me to get behind. But, you know, you put some vodka in it and here's how I've been weaning. I've been putting like, you know, half vodka and then quarter LaCroix, quarter Sprite. And then I've been I've been slowly putting less and less Sprite. And like, it's kind of working, dude. Like, I don't, I don't think you're supposed to have half vodka on anything. <laughs> half and half, dude. That's how you make drinks, man. That's what you got to do. That's how you do it at home, huh? All right. Yeah. I want to feel it. Shoot. I guess. No, how about like just two shots of vodka and then, you know, half a can of, of LaCroix well, and ta- I mean, a can of Sprite. Like, like, I got it in a Yeti, so if I do two shots in a Yeti and the rest is, like, other liquid, it's like, well, why even put liquor in it? 
Agreed, one hundred percent. I like the well, way you think, my man. No, it's me too. You're absolutely right. If I was filling a Yeti, you better believe it'd be more than two. So, yeah, I get you. Yeah, but you know what, bro? They they have so many different flavors now. You know, Jenna's got this one that she's been loving. It's it's actually a Kroger brand, so not Lacroix, and and it's a cola, and it tastes just like Dr Pepper. If I gave if I gave you a taste test. You know, and you would think, excuse me, you would think it was Dr. Pepper. You can taste the Dr. Pepper in there. And if you're throwing vodka on top of it, then that's your prerogative. But that you got lime, you got coconut. That's her favorite. You got the the kiwi, strawberry stuff, all these different flavors, dude. And it just works out to be a magnificent treat for yourself. So, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm turning into a LaCroix fan. Good. Because they say that. You can drink a bunch of LaCroix or soda water, and it's, so, it's, it's supposed to be a good substitute for you if, if you don't like water. Because yeah. it's still pretty much water with just a bunch of um, CO2 put in it. Mm-hmm. So, Well, we were over at a friend's house the other night, and uh, <clears throat> I ran out of my drink, and uh, they're like, oh, we got vodka, but we just have water and then you can put some like crystal light mix in it. And I was like, eh, <laughs> I mean, okay. That's yeah. what I got to do. If you have to, Dude, it was actually really nice and like refreshing. Really? Oh. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's like literally no carbonation at that point and yeah. it's just water with like some flavor in it on top of, you know, vodka for me, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty nice. Pretty light. Not bad. It's a healthy way to be drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I guess so. If you can't sell Crystal Light by saying that, I don't know how you can sell it. (laughs) There you go. Sponsorship by Crystal Light. Go get it, go get drunk. Huh? All right. That works. Well, you want to get into it? Dude, let's get into it. Uh, We've been babbling for 15 minutes. Yeah, it's a good babble. Well, it, it was a it was a long weekend. We didn't get a chance to record, uh, but uh, Thursday was my birthday. Yeah, that was fun. Happy birthday to you! All right, Governor. And then, um, uh, so Thursday, I, I get up, get in the shower. Wife had to leave early, so she was out the house. You know, an hour before me, and I'm. I hear a knock on the door and boom, 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 boom. And trying to, instead of going to the door in my underwear, I threw some clothes on real quick. And it was <laughs> my, it was my friends from, uh, our friends from Minnesota, Minnesota. Eh? So they, they popped in and, and gave us a surprise visit for my birthday. And, uh, which prompted me to take Thursday and Friday off of work and then, and get a bunch of coverage for myself. And then we, we, uh, had a fun entertaining for the whole weekend. Uh, yeah, dude, that is, that is fun. That is fun. So it was them and their three girls and, uh, we had a house full and, uh, was Micah there too? No, Micah. Was this a Micah week? No, this was not a Micah weekend. And believe me, he was completely bummed that he wasn't here. Yeah. I bet. I gave him every opportunity. I said, buddy, you want to be here for my birthday? You need to communicate because nobody can read your mind. Okay, daddy. 
and then boom, nothing. So it's like, all right, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you next weekend then. So, uh, so he was pretty bummed. But anyway, uh, we had a blast, dude. And speaking of microbreweries, I just took him around from spot to spot and filled up five growlers, five growlers full. And uh, yeah. So it was pretty. Well, you called me one night. It sounded like you had already been through about four of them growlers. Yeah, we we had only been through two, or almost <laughs> done with two. And uh, sitting by the fire, having a very good time. Uh, and I, I wanted to get my brother to come on to the uh, to the podcast and and talk, but um, it didn't work out. So I wanted to I wanted to talk about though, uh, basically what we talked about over the fire. So, um, which I thought was a very, very good discussion. And I'm hoping that your memory is better than mine, seeing I was half in the bag. It probably Uh, will be, although you're asking me to remember your drunken babbles. So (laughs) some of it I was like, huh? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, well, the the short end of the story, because I'm familiar enough with it, is the fact that is it, basically essentially without going into all my friends details uh there's there is an age old question that um that many people have when it comes down to god to jesus to religion or whatever the case may be and i think Sean you and i can can make this just very personal about us uh and our own viewpoints but essentially the conversation went you know, if God is so good and if God is real, why does he allow A, B, C, D, E, F, G to happen? Right. And it, and it boils down to there is pain, there is suffering, there is death, there is all this stuff that happens that is a part of life that is very painful, that is very traumatic to us. And yet we're expected to believe that God is real. And he allows all of this stuff. Yeah. So if God is real and God is allowing all of this, can we say that he truly is a good God? And if he truly is a good God and he exists, then he would not allow this stuff to happen. And uh, and then to go on from there, there are things that maybe you are believing God for a healing uh I know, Sean, you've got yours, but for me, I've had a planter's wart on my left heel for 15 years plus. Mm-hmm. And I've stood up in line for healing, for healing, for healing. Believe God, believe God, believe God. I've had it surgically removed twice and it's come back. And it sucks. It sucks waking up in the morning and having pain shoot up your left leg because of a freaking planter's wart that you can't seem to get rid of. Yeah. You know? Well, and that God seemingly won't take away. And that God seemingly won't take away. Exactly. Why is that? Why why is that allowable? You know? Mm. My dad. My dad, he got sick. Got diabetes. Had to have half his foot removed. No matter how much I prayed God healed my dad, my dad still had to go through surgery and get amputated. And then there was a struggle because of the diabetes for him to heal. Got a sore on his heel because of the way that he was walking with half of a foot. He's putting pressure on a spot that 
maybe he shouldn't have been putting pressure on, and boom, he gets a cyst or a boil. And then that bursts, and then he's in a shit ton of pain. And he's got to take happy pills. That's what he calls it, happy pills. <laughs> Just so he can go to sleep. Yeah. And you can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray all you want, and it's not happening. He's not healed. Or it's taken forever for any results to happen. Stuff like that. You got people that you care about and that you believe God to do something for them, for their benefit. And it seems as if God is not or God is on mute, if you will. Yeah. I think that was a book that you told me about. Yes. Very good book, actually. By, uh, what's the dude's name? Pete Craig. Pete Craig. So... These are the things that um, that we kind of discussed. And these are things that me and my boy, Matt, we've talked about on a couple different occasions. Right. Just stuff like that. And it sucks. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, from his standpoint, he's like, hey, I was raised Catholic. What's the point of me believing in this God if he ain't even big enough to do this or that for me? Right. You know, how many times I got to go to church? How many times I got to pray? How many times do you got to do this, do this and do this? Begging, asking. And no results happen. Doesn't it seem like there's even a, an ear that's listening? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever happened to the God of the Bible, where all of these signs and all of these wonders were happening, where, you know, individuals were getting these crazy experiences from God. Signs like proof that he's real, proof that he's listening, proof that he's on their side. If you look at the children of Israel, man, all of these different things that have happened uh, over their history, uh, it it seems like it just stopped and it no longer exists. What do you tell a person that feels that way? What do you tell a person that believes that way or or that refuses to believe because of the pain that they endure? What do you do? So I'll yield the floor. What do you think, bro? Uh, Well, I mean... One, it's, you know, I've had this conversation with people over the years and it's a tough conversation for, I think, several reasons. One, we live in America and we have cell phones that tell us everything we want to know or, you know, we have microwaves and fast food and doctors and, you know, one hour clinics and like everything is so so much different than living in you know other countries because it's kind of funny that you know I mean and I totally agree with this but it seems like in America it's like super scarce that we have healings or crazy you know miracles and like limbs grow back or this dead person come to life or you know certain things like that and then you hear about stuff over in other countries where you know they're having friggin revival and like people are getting healed and you know limbs are growing back and cripples are walking and blind men see so one thing that i've always kind of i mean i can't fully understand because i'm an american and i live in this culture and i know what fast food is and i know i can go to the doctor anytime i want and you know i feel like everything over here, like there's there's something about the way we live in our culture that almost maybe prohibits us from experiencing certain certain things. 
And even saying that, I don't like. I'm not putting my eggs fully in that basket. I just think it's maybe a theory because, I mean, when's the last time you've seen a crippled man walk? I haven't seen that. Now I've been at. I, um, I definitely haven't seen. I've it. been at certain youth camps and like certain times in my life, people have been prayed for, and I've seen a bone snap back into place, and it's like, holy shit, that was insane, you know. Yeah. But. I mean, that's not a normal thing by any means. I mean, that's happened to me once in my 32 years of living. So I I do think, you know, Mm. some of that has to play in our lives. And I don't fully know how to articulate that maybe, but like, I think how we do life in our society kind of dumbs us down or keep like, helps prohibit us from experiencing or, you know, witnessing or having things happen to us. And again, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I am. Huh. It just doesn't, well, you know, doesn't seem to be that way. You know, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand that fully. I, I want to kind of repeat what you're saying, but I, I would just, I would just muddy it up. Um, I, I've heard an argument, something like that. Okay, I've heard something like that uh, over the years growing up in church. Like, yeah, you know, the reason why there's so many miracles overseas is because the only thing that they have available to them is to believe God because they don't have the medicine and they don't have the this and the that. Yeah. And 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 for me, I look at that and I call bullshit because healing is a result of faith, not resources. Right. And it's not based on your need. It's based on your ability to believe. Right. So in that statement, according to scripture. Yeah, I totally agree. But in that statement, I think where, and again, I'm not saying I believe this hundred percent. It's just, it's a question that I've had. Yeah. Yeah. So the question I have with what you just said and the whole, like, it's about faith is we're a culture in a society where we don't necessarily need faith. Does that make sense? I mean, on one hand, it's kind of like, yeah, I get it. Well, I don't really need to be too, too careful because I know at the end of the day, I can always go to a hospital or, you know, I can, Oh, if I get a headache, I'll just go take some ibuprofen and in a couple hours I'll be fine. Or I mean, my wife suffers from migraines and it's been, way different since she's been pregnant, which has been awesome. She hasn't had one, but when she gets they a migraine, began when you guys got married, right? Huh? They began when you guys got married, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a chronic thing. And like, it's bad, you know, and she has a certain pill that she knows, okay, once it passes a certain point, I need to take that pill and it's going to put me to sleep and I'm going to wake up four hours later, six hours later, and the migraine's going to be gone. Okay. Like we depend on that stuff because it's it's readily available and I think like so what would be and again I'm trying to argue a point that I don't necessarily fully believe in. I'm just trying to explore it. So I'm trying to sure. play devil's advocate. Yeah. So I, I think what I'm what the point behind all of it is would be I don't really fully need to believe in a 
God or in someone or in something that will heal me completely because if things go bad, I can always, like, I got a plan B. Yeah. And it almost, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, good Lord, I'm stuttering. I'm wondering if that kind of helps to delude of faith in certain things. And again, I, I don't even know if I agree with what I just said. I'm just putting it out there as a, a theory, I guess, you know? Yeah. So it's worth exploring. I, I think that that's, that's probably one of several speculations that we can make. Uh, because I, I've been thinking about this since the conversation. I know that it, my, my brain was completely boozed out, but I was still thinking about this. Um, that, because he and I have talked about it before. And I've talked to other people about this same topic before. Yeah. Why is there evil? Why is there suffering? Why is there pain? Why is there death and, and all of this stuff? Uh, and, and right there, the, that theory is comparing our society to a society that doesn't, that isn't, uh, you know, basically first world problems versus third world problems, right? Yeah, essentially. Essentially. Essentially, yeah. But... I'm of the belief the thing that will wash away that theory is the fact that according to scripture, all you need is a faith the size of a mustard seed and you can tell this mountain to be cast into the sea. Right. And, and, and it's, in essence, all it takes is a, a less than an ounce of faith, right? A minute amount of faith in God and he will do miracles for you. That is what the Bible teaches. Yeah. And I think the frustrating part is that that scripture is more poetry than it is literal. And the proof of it is that a mountain hasn't moved in a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> no one has seen a physical mountain move. So you got to say this. Yes, this is not literal. This is figurative. Um, but the frustrating part comes in and it's like, OK, when we think like that, what we can do is cause guilt and condemnation to come upon the person because they feel like they don't believe God enough. And that's why the prayer isn't being answered. And I don't think that that theory would be, uh, can be considered to be true across the board. Maybe there are some instances where there is no faith and therefore no action happens. Um, but I don't think that by and large we can say that it is it's that. Another theory though, if I may. Well, I think I would agree. Okay, good. And I, I can appreciate that 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 theory because I've heard it over and over again. Yeah. Well another another thing that uh that is taught is the fact that the reason why there's pain, suffering, unanswered prayer, all of this stuff going on in the world that is so traumatic to people is because of the original sin. And I think scripturally we, we can kind of validate this thought process in that uh, death reigned on the earth only because of the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. So when, excuse me, sin entered into the world, death reigned over the world. It was straight up the judgment of God right off the rip because of sin. Yeah. And so, which begs the, the idea 
that there would there would be nobody dying if it wasn't because of the original sin. And so people um, people would I would hear growing up, you know, once I get to heaven, the first thing I'm going to do is kick Adam in the balls, you know, because all of this happened, death, sickness, disease, the the hardness uh, or, or the the um, the stress that it takes. Uh, the toll that it takes on our bodies to cultivate anything on the earth is all a result of the ground being cursed because of the first sin of man. So that's that's another theory. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I totally agree, and that was something that was kind of a direction that I was attempting to go uh, the other night when we were talking about this, the three of us, because I've, you know, I, I led with a, a theory because I, I, uh, good Lord, I am stuttering. <laughs> like I was told that kind of, you know, roundabout theory. And then I kind of was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. You know? And then over the years I was like, well, I don't know that it makes sense. And it's because of what you just said that we both agreed on, you know? Um, so I, I just led with that though, because I do think it's an interesting concept for us Americans. Yeah, um, it is, but it's valid. It's got some validity to it. I, I mean, to get into it, honestly, I think there's a, and I've, you know, I'll get to some of my shit, I guess later, but like from the fall of man, everything changed. Just yeah. like you said, I mean, paradise is no longer paradise. Now, because of our longing and desire to be like God and to know good and evil and to know, you know, this or that, like, okay, well, now we have consequences for that. <laughs> Just like, we, yeah. you know, Adam and Eve were told, and I 100% believe if it was you or if it was me or if it was my wife or, you know, friggin' some none like we would have all made the same decision yeah and since then it's different now and there are things that were set in motion now that god himself is not going to intervene on because when he said something in motion from what i read in scripture it's not like he just changed his mind it's like oh i was just kidding I let that go for a couple thousands of years and now I'm good with it. Like we, you know, hmm. like I, I really think, you know, and it's hard to understand, especially if you're not, you know, a believer in Christ and the Bible and God and that whole thing. But it's even hard for me to wrap my head around it because I'm not God. But the fact that I want to wrap my head around it even just proves my own theory. It proves the point, yeah. That, like, we are fallen, and because of that, we want to be like God. And therefore, we now, unfortunately, have to live in certain consequences. Now, yeah. we can take that as, well, if you're such a loving God, why would you let my family member die? Or why would you let my house get blown away in a tornado? Or... You know, whatever the case, like, for me, why would you allow my back to be royally fucked up and just live with pain for decades, like, and you're not fixing it? Yeah. I mean, 
those are tough, real questions, and it's hard for us to understand that. And um, we mentioned God on Mute, the book uh, earlier by Pete Craig. You should check it out if you're interested in this topic at all, by the way. Um, But something he kind of leads to is like, you know, you're praying, you're believing, you don't understand, like, God's even just being quiet, let alone doing something in your favor, and if he loves you, why is he not, and all of this stuff, and sure, kind of getting a different perspective on that, and s- instead of saying, well, why aren't you doing this, like, where are you, it's actually seeing God hurting alongside with you. Now, if we adopt that theory and run with it, that would mean, for whatever reason, he's not choosing to do anything about it. He's just choosing to be there with you. Because, and that to me shows love, you know, kind of like a, I mean, we always go to the parent-children analogy, and I think it's probably for the right reason, because it makes a lot of sense, but, you know, we talked before about are you going to let your kid put his hand on a stove that's hot? Like, no. Well, if he does, what are you going to do? I mean, you can't unburn his hand for him or her. Right. But what you can do is hold them and try to, you know, comfort them and get some ice on it and maybe put some aloe on it. Maybe go to the doctor if it's like horrible. But like, you're going to hold your kid, even though you're like, God, you're so stupid. Like I told you not to do it and you did it anyway. Like what a freaking idiot. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're just going to be like, well, whatever. You might as well die because you're a piece of shit who doesn't listen. Right. But that's, you know, that's very hard. And it's something, honestly, like I'm even still learning how to do is to see Uh. like, dude, at my worst with my back, I got out of, I was uh, soaking in a tub. So I was butt naked. I went to step out. I fell on the ground in a shit ton of pain like I can't even tell you how much pain and I'm just laying there crying and praying and like where the hell are you God because if I've ever needed you this is it <laughs> yeah and nothing but ass naked on the floor and I just laid there crying yeah literally crying out to God and nothing like just nothing yeah I mean I still have the same back problem decades later <laughs> you know yeah but seeing, yeah, I guess like seeing God in that moment instead of someone who's standing over you being like, I'm just not going to heal you. There's something you need to learn or you don't have enough faith or you didn't pray enough. No, it wasn't that. It was, now, nah, bro, I'm on the ground with you, crying with you because I know this is hurting you so bad. Yeah. So in that, hmm. now the question is, okay, so is there some sort of, like, law or some sort of, like, what was set in motion for God to want to be close to you, but he, it's almost like he's not allowed to heal you or something. Does that make sense? So pardon this brief interruption, but I got a demo that you need to hear. It's from a Detroit-based voiceover production house. Now they have full service solutions from writing and recording to mixing and mastering and is the perfect place to give a voice to your next project. And you know what? I'm just going to play it and let it speak for itself. 
Welcome to Commercial Sales. This course is part of a smooth jazz 105.9 FM. Roughly 5 million Americans don't even know where their next meal will come from. Welcome to Evangel Christian Churches. All right. So if you have an upcoming project that you're working on or will be working on uh, and you need some professional audio, some I'm awesome. Some I'm awesome <laughs> voiceover. Uh, go ahead and hop on the World Wide Web. You can find Michael at hotmikecity.com. And that's H O T M I K E C I T Y.com. Yeah, it does. But that's one viewpoint that, but part of that, part of what you're saying is from a Christian's perspective. You know, oh, definitely. Like you're you're on the ground, you're laying down, you're in pain, you're bawling your eyes out, um, because of the pain, and you know in your heart of hearts that God is there with you. But to your earlier point of you know your kid burns their hands and you know it was their choice and disobedience that they touched the the hot surface and then God is there comforting them or or holding them or being there with them you can put aloe vera blah 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 (laughs) those are those are two conflicting thoughts in that you didn't have a choice in your back hurting it wasn't your choice that caused you to slip and fall and hurt your back sure it wasn't a choice involved so why would god allow that to happen and i think that that's where we have a lot of the problems because yeah okay i can understand i think whether you're a christian or not you can understand the idea that we all have a free will we all have a choice right so stuff that happens to us um that that may cause us to suffer in the long run that's a result of our choices yeah okay we can understand god kind of dragging his heels on on healing that person or helping that person right so so you smoke cigarettes for for 50 years they punch a hole through your throat and you die of influenza not influenza what's it called whatever you know what i'm trying to say emphysema you say well where was emphysema thank you influenza (laughs) (laughs) you you can rationalize it and you can say well they did it to themselves, and that's why God didn't do anything to help them, because they were disobedient. They kept on smoking, and they knew that it was wrong, but they kept doing it anyway. That's one thought process, and and I even have problems with that, right? I've got problems with that, because again, God is just, and God is fair. And the fact is, is that some people are healed and don't end up dying of cancer, and some people do. And there's some people who smoke their entire life and they don't die from anything and never and never related to smoking. That's right. And they never get it at all. They never get cancer. Right? So why this So does that then mean that God saved them from something? That's the thing. Because to me, if if God took something from someone for doing this one thing, in this case smoking, then it would obviously argue that God kept someone from something for doing the same exact thing right right and how dare he show favoritism so 
Sure. Well, to me, that kind of punches a hole in the theory of God does stuff to people or allows things for certain people. Because then it's like, well, I mean, why did it happen to Bob and not to Steve? Sure. That's a hard pill to swallow. The same variables were applied, so... Well, maybe we don't know, right? So, so there's a, there's a, there's one thing that we know for sure. And it is that we that believe in the God of the Bible believe that he is omniscient, which means he is all knowing and that he's omnipotent, which means he's all powerful. Okay. That's what we believe. And we know from scripture, he knows everything and he is powerful enough and sovereign enough to change anything that he chooses. That's our starting point, okay? But that's not where we have the problem. Where we have the problem is the question of why. Why he allows if he truly is. If this is a part of his nature, then why does he allow it or doesn't allow it in certain circumstances? And I think that, uh, that it's very difficult to judge because we don't know, because we're not all-knowing. You know, scripture teaches that he knows the end from the beginning, you know, and I guess for me, I would argue that the more you get to know God, the closer you get to him, the, the more you study him and learn his nature and his character, the easier it is to accept certain things that you don't understand. Case in point. If you go all the way back to Israel uh, being enslaved to the Egyptians. All right. You with me, bro? I'm here. Scripture teaches that uh, Moses was supposed to go back, right? And say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Mm -hmm. Let my people go. You know, you know, the whole song, right? (laughs) Scripture says that. It was 400 years of slavery for them. And it was at the around that time of 400 years that that God said, you know what? He he's hearing his children, the Israelites. He let them suffer for 400 years in slavery. OK, why? We don't know why. Scripture never says sucks. <laughs> scripture never says that they prayed. For freedom. Scripture never says that they cried out to God to save them. Scripture never says that there were any intercessors at all praying for them. Scripture never alludes to any of that. What Scripture actually says is that their pain and their suffering has come to the attention of God's ears, and therefore he raised up a deliverer, Moses. It wasn't because of their asking. It was because of the amount of their pain that they were in. And he remembered that he had a covenant with his people. Mm-hmm. And so he decided to do something. And he waited until Moses, after 400 years, was to be cast out and found by the Pharaoh's daughter and raised in the house of the Pharaoh and raised as an Egyptian and later discovering that he's actually an Israelite and that all of the children of Israel were enslaved to Egypt. And then he decided to to rise up and try to do something about it. But then we know the story. It's a long story. It's in the book of Exodus. I won't go into it all. But the point I wanted to bring out 
that's interesting about God and about this topic is the fact that when God told Moses to go and to tell Pharaoh to let my people go, God had the power and the authority to change the heart of Pharaoh and cause him to be soft towards the Israelites, recognizing that they had been enslaved for 400 years and to let the people go. But instead, scripture specifically says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh so that he would not let them go. And the purpose of it was so that he could demonstrate his power and his authority and his ability to the children of Israel. Right. He was like, look, you've been enslaved for 400 years, but I'm going to let this get a little bit worse. I'm going to let your hopes get up super high. And when your hopes are at the highest, I'm going to let you get shot down. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do that nine times. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't until after the ninth plague that the children of Israel were able to be set free. How fucked up is that? Right. Yeah. That, that just seems so awful and so wrong. But the, the thing that, that I'm, I'm trying to say that, that I've learned about God over the years of studying and spending time and building relationship and, and really allowing God to, to change me and change my heart and my mindset. And, and this is where it gets very satisfyingly deep. I understand that my mind is very finite. And I have to understand that if I'm going to believe in this God who is not finite, who's infinite, there needs to be some concessions, some some realization. And it's something that naturally happens between parents and children, right? As children, we grow up and we're like, you know what? I don't know how all these bills get paid. I don't know about all of this, but I have to trust the people that are in authority over me. And if we begin to, to look at God our, as our father, the same way that we look at our natural parents, we can begin to kind of soften up our judgment and our inability to, to understand it. It all becomes softer and easier when we realize that, that we have natural parents that are God to us in the beginning. And the crazy part is that our God actually is a good God, a good father who who loves us more than any of our parents could ever do. And when you look at that story uh, with the Exodus, God literally hardened the heart of of, of Pharaoh, allowed them to, to be toyed around with just so that in the end he would spare them. (laughs) And they would enter into a greater joy and a greater promise than they ever imagined possible. And there would be an enemy that they would see literally be defeated on their behalf just because of his love. And so that when they got on the other side of the Jordan River, escaping uh, Egypt and Pharaoh, they would have... A reverence for God, a worship for God, a praise for God that didn't have to be taught. But it was something it would be something that was completely out of their experience with him. And them seeing how good he was on their behalf. Now, the sucky part is that that doesn't happen for everybody. And we don't know why it doesn't happen for everybody. But the fact is, is that he's the same God and he hasn't changed. Yeah. 
And, and even though we have a choice and sometimes we suffer because of our choices and sometimes the pain is there that have nothing to do with our choices, but just happens because things happen. We have to understand that nothing happens by accident and nothing happens. Nothing is just happenstance when it comes down to God. Paul said that that in my suffering, I've learned to be content. He said, I've learned how to be rich. I've learned how to be poor. I've learned how to be in need and how to be full. He said, in every situation I find myself in, because of my relationship with God, because of my faith in him, I've learned to be content. That's something that Paul came to after years of walking with God, after years of suffering. He was thrown in prison in every single city that he went to preach in. Imagine that. You're, you're, you're doing all the right stuff. You're not doing anything wrong. You're suffering because of good. And you're remembering the words of Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted and those who are, you know, downtrodden. You'll be comforted if you mourn. All of the beatitudes that we believe in Matthew. The fact is, is that God, because of his love, because of his infinitude, because of his omniscience, his, his omnipotence, all of these things that we believe about him, it gets easier to swallow and to overcome the things that come our way when we have a better understanding of who he is. And unfortunately, I think what the bottom line is, is that it comes down to <laughs> is that all of these things that happen, whether it's pain or evil or suffering in the world, it all brings us right back to him. And that sucks to say, bro. That absolutely sucks to, to, sucks to say, but I absolutely believe it. Yeah. I do. Paul said, look, he, he was talking in 1 Corinthians uh, 12. He's like, dude, this sucks, right? Suffering here, suffering there. And, and, and this is happening bad, and this is happening bad. I'm in prison. I'm beaten. I've been, you know, he's, he's getting knocked out. You know, he's passing out. He's in shackles. He's bleeding all over the place, all because of the name of Christ. And then the response that comes from the Holy Spirit is, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. And so Paul said, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, I'd rather glory in my weakness, knowing that the power of Christ is going to be manifested on my, on my behalf. In my weakness, his strength is made perfect. That is a concept that can only be understood through time with God, through meditation, through prayer, through, and I hate to over-spiritualize this, dude, I feel like such a dick saying this, but I believe that it's the truth. I don't know, help me out, bro. That was a long rant. But. It was, <clears throat> but it, I mean, it's a good rant. I, um, I don't know, man. I think you make a good argument, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think again, like I, I don't know that we'll ever be able to <clears throat> fully answer the the question. You no, know, we cannot. But, <clears throat> um, we cannot. Yeah, I mean, I think I mostly agree with you. And some of the stuff you know that goes through my head though is like, what brought Paul to the level where he could say that and mean it. Like how, how were his eyes open to that? You know, 
Yeah. And I guess this could maybe even go back to the first kind of question I was proposing. Like, are, do we, you know, live lifestyles here in our culture where it's a little bit harder for us to come to that realization? Yeah. Because we aren't persecuted like that. We aren't put in jail for preaching, you know? We, I mean... Sure. Christians haven't made in the USA, man. The the harsh... <laughs> The harshness that we suffer is everyone thinks we're hypocrites and we're crazy. Oh, yeah. So then they just rule us out. That's not persecution. That's just like redheaded stepchild. Go sit in the back of the class. You're stupid. Let's just make fun of you. But we really don't even care that you're there. (laughs) Yeah. So, and again, that's just a theory too. But I I don't know, man. It's tough to answer... You know, because when people are asking the question, like, why did God allow person A to die uh, an early death for no reason? If he's a loving God, why would he do that? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's, oh, that's because of this. And in 30 seconds, you can answer it, you know? You can't. It's not possible. I mean, you don't know why. There's a whole shit ton of crap that we we are never going to know. Right. You know, and I, I think it's a journey much like everything is, you know? Yeah. I don't know, man. The, you know, the older I get, someone asked me this question. I feel like I'm a little more mature, but I still feel honestly inadequate to try and answer. I agree 100%. I'm just willing to, you know, not debate, but have the conversation. Yeah. But even in that, I'm, I'm like, well, I, I don't think you're going to get something out of me that you're going to like. <laughs> I don't know, bro. I, I think I, I think that the only conclusion that we can come to that's accurate is that we don't know. There's so many speculations and so many reasons that we can come up with. I mean, I've got more, bro. Well, we I, can go on for another hour, but oh, at the end of the day, years. at the end of the day, the answer is we don't know because we're not God. But is that enough of a reason to say, forget God? Screw Christianity and religion. It doesn't work. Well, so that's my question is, we have these conversations with people. How, I mean, what do you, like, where do you leave it? You know, how do you, one, not push them away from faith, but two, give them something other than, well, I don't know. And you just got to be okay with it. Yeah. Because then they're like, well, fuck that. <laughs> now I definitely know I'm not going to believe in your God. Yeah. You know, th- there's a there's a thought that says that, um, so pain gives God an opportunity to show you something, right? It gives God an opportunity to show you his love, his grace, his acceptance of you. And I think at the end of the day, one of the takeaways should be to look for that. To look for God in your painful situation. Just like a child would that's, that falls on the ground, right? So, so uh, we had a house full of girls. One of the girls uh, jumped up and fell on the ground, scratched their knee. You know what mommy and daddy did? Picked them up and said, Peter. you know, <laughs> no, you know wipe their tears, right? Clumsy Give them kisses. Give them comfort, right? Kisses, comfort, show love. That pain was an opportunity for parents to say, you know what? We love you. We're crazy about you. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. 
you're not going to die. You know, this is, this is okay. This is part of life. You're, you're in pain. We get it. Kiss the boo-boos, right? <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think that, that pain and suffering and all of these things gives God an opportunity to show how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, how much he feels the pain just as much as you do. And, um, and it gives us an opportunity to respond to that kind of love and to look for that kind of love from him. Um, obviously, that requires a little bit of faith and requires a little bit of acknowledgement of him. It, it requires us to look outside of ourselves and outside of the pain that we're in and look for a place of comfort. And that place can be found in Jesus Christ. I think that's where we need to leave this conversation. Because obviously, yeah, we don't know why he allows it and doesn't allow it in other circumstances. I don't know. I just know that there are straight up examples of both when he allows the craziness and when he doesn't allow it. When he comes and he saves the day and is obviously God and when he doesn't save the day and it seems like he's obviously absent. I think the common denominator, regardless, should be that we look to him as our hope. And as our peace, and as our strength, as our comfort, as our love, we look to him for that, and we can receive it from him. Hmm. That might sound like a bunch of hogwash and religiosity, but I believe it 100%. Yeah, I believe it too. And I think just to kind of run with the whole children analogy again, I mean, I think a lot of times... We question God and we want to know things and we forget like it's not about us. And that's super hard in this, you know, era because everything's about us. My friggin' phone tells me when someone posts on Facebook, you know, <laughs> or likes my stuff sure. or sure. Like the our whole society is based around us. And it's been like that from the dawn of time, obviously. Oh yeah. But I think it's even, you know, more accentuated just because the rate of technology and information can travel faster and yep. we're just so vain. And I think maybe sometimes we look up, even as Christians, but especially as non-Christians can look up and be like, okay, God, tell me, tell me why you allowed this or tell me why you did this or tell me why you didn't do this. And he's like... How about we crawl before we run? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that sounds probably arrogant and horrible, but I mean if if God is God and he speaks and things happen, we cannot fathom that. So like we're going to spend the rest of our entire lives trying to learn about God, and that I think is one of the biggest things is like you got to have a relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have a relationship with God, I mean, I don't know. I'm not him, but maybe it makes a little more sense that he's not going to insert his thoughts into your mind when you don't even love him. Or believe in him. Sure. And, you know, that could be argued because obviously he loves everyone and sure. You know, he wants everyone to be saved. However, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Well, You're right. It could be argued even with the belief factor, because there are people that 
refuse to believe in Jesus Christ at all, and then they meet him in a dream. At least that's what's been said and regurgitated, right? I mean, there, yeah. there are people in Muslim countries that, that have missionaries over there, and they're praying, and they're doing all of this stuff, and meeting in secret churches and underground places and stuff like that, because if they come out in the, op- in the open, they're going to get their heads chopped off, right? And then they're, they, they, you know, they're praying for a specific group or family or whatever the case may be, and the dad will have a dream of, of some man with woolly hair and white robes and says that his name is Jesus and that he should believe in him, and then he's converted. He wakes up crying on his knees and doesn't know how he got there. Like stories like that, I've heard over and over again. A person that does not believe and refuses to believe, God reveals himself and then boom, stuff happens, right? Mm-hmm. So there's stories like that everywhere. So I don't want to say that, you know, just because you don't believe in him or just because you don't pray, God won't reveal himself to you because he's done it in the past. Is it his, sure. is it his regular MO? Probably not. But does it happen? Yeah. It does. And why? Why? Who that, knows? Oof. Well, that, that's the whole point. Like, I know. Why? I know. First off, why, why should we know? No, I don't know. I don't know, bro. And it's so frustrating. And it's so stupid. You would think that there's some fucking blueprint around there. And there is called the Bible. But still. How, reli- <laughs> how reliable is that? It's written in languages yeah. that you don't even read and understand. You know? Which were recorded from stories. Which were, hey, told over half the, f- and then translated and translated and translated. Listen, dude, over half, uh, and I'm getting so animated right now. I'm amped up about this. Half the fucking globe believes that Jesus was white, and it pisses me off, dude. Wait, he wasn't. <sighs> so <far enough>. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and, and, yeah, and you have re- I mean, you have religion that's used as a as a tool of persecution and used as a tool of of suppression. And oppression, and what do you do with it, though? Dude, I always think it's funny when people don't realize that Jesus was a Jew. That is most hilarious. Yes. He was a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We should do an episode on just Christian puns. I think that would be cool and fun. It might be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this to conclude it, but my heart goes out to people that have suffered. I've suffered. I continue to suffer in some instances, you know, with my own health and issues that are going on that like I had no control over. Like, you know, so like I went skating as a kid. And when I when I left the skating ring, I had a planter's wart on my heel. My, my foot was burning like crazy. I didn't know what to do. I didn't tell anybody. I washed my feet afterwards. You know, next day it still kind of burned. Like I felt like I had a burn on my heel, and the next day mm-hmm. is still there, and then the next day is still there, and then it kind of subsided, and then the next thing I know, I've got like a callus, and then the next thing I know, it went from a callus. I try to, you know, what I would do is I would take uh, fingernail clippers and and I would pick at the callus and I would try to smooth it down, and uh, I went from that to using a pummel stone, and all of a sudden I'm. At the doctor, I'm like, I don't know why this is still here. What is this? And he's like, oh, you got a wart. Oh, hey, how the hell did I get a wart? Well, we don't know. It could have <laughs> been. Uh, uh, uh. Fast forward over 15 years, I still have the same fucking wart on my heel. 
You know yeah. why? I don't know. All I know is that it hurts. And I know that I, I put the little over-the-counter stuff on it and I, I get a hole in my heel after a little while and I think that it's gone. So I stop using the stuff. And then, I don't know, a month goes by and all of a sudden I've got a callus. I've got some rough skin. I mean, I know why you have it. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, stuff happens. You know, stuff happens and, and you don't. We can we can worry about why until we're, you know, old and gray. But eventually there comes a part of us that says, OK, it is what it is. And um, and what has happened has happened. And whether it had to do with our choices or not, we have a choice in the end of, on how to respond. And how we respond oh. And how we respond (laughs) will affect how we feel. And I'll just leave it at that. Dropping it. All right. Sweetness. Well, I'm glad we could not answer that question for everyone. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, God. All right. Cheers. Where can we be found? We're online somewhere. Just... Keep it easy. Keep it simple. www.unchurchedpodcast.wordpress.com You can find links. You can see articles. We may have some other stuff in the works soon. You know, just keep an eye out. If you're listening to us on iTunes, scroll down until you see the stars. Go all the way to the right and hit the fifth star, and we'll love you forever. There we go. And if you're on SoundCloud, get an iPhone. Yeah. And if you're on Android phone, you can still find us. Yeah. On SoundCloud. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what I should have said the first time. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It's awesome. All right. Yeah. Hit us up on the links. Drop us a like, a comment. And uh, let us know what you think. And uh, we'll, we'll be glad to keep the conversation going. So, sweet. Yeah, and feel free to email us, which you can email us uh, from the website directly, or it's just, what's our email? Unchurchedpod yep. at gmail. Yep. And, uh, you, got it. you know, let us know some topics or something. We'll talk about almost anything. <laughs> Absolutely. And we may or may not answer any question you have. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fun part. All right, cool. Yeah. Another one in the books. All right, brother. Later, bro. Peace.